Hello, Nathan Foster here, and welcome once again to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. It's been an interesting time at Renovare in recent years. Things are happening, we're growing in what seems to me to be really healthy ways. So, we have great news to share with you. We recently brought Brian Morricon on as our full-time director of communications and special projects. And this is going to be so helpful for us to continue to expand our offerings to you as a community. Now, Brian's a longtime friend of Renovare. He's on the ministry team, done worship at events for us. In the last few years, he's been handling much of our web technology and communications. But he also edits and produces this podcast, cleans up all my mistakes. And so we are so excited that he's able to join us full time. And I thought it'd be good to give you a chance to get to know Brian a little more. So I guess, Brian, this is where we pretend to say hi again. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Nathan. Good to see you. (laughs) Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. (laughs) Hey, you just got a new position. I got a new job. My first actual W-2 full-time job. In, Pretty much since I've been working. Yeah. You're not you're not too young. I mean, for 20 years you've been working? Yeah, 17 years since when I was 20 years old. You've just been a contractor, right? Mm-hmm. Doing, doing yep. peace work. Yeah. And, and, and you're full-time with Renovare. Full-time with Renovare now. So I'm very, very excited. Well, I thought it might be fun to, you know, let people know a little bit about uh, you and the new position. Uh, but maybe let's first start there. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, background? Well, I am Brian Morikan, and I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia, originally. The belt buckle of the Bible belt, some people, <laughs> some people say. So born and raised there in Lynchburg. Lynchburg's where Liberty University is. Oh, it is the belt buckle then. That's, that's how I got born there. My dad went to Liberty and ended up sticking around and grew up in a Baptist church and met my wife, Joy, a little, little Bible school in upstate New York. And we have been married. We just celebrated 17 years. Wow. Three kids, 10, 9, and 4. 10, 9, and 4. Tell us about your living arrangements this last year with three kids. Yeah. So my wife has for a long time had this dream of getting an RV, hitting the road. And I was pretty resistant to that with having three kids. And I said, maybe later when we're retired. But our life was just set up in such a way that it was possible. My work was mobile. My um, kids are homeschooled. And so when a camper came along that was a good deal, we decided to go for it. We spent a few <laughs> months renovating this this RV, and uh, and so it feels less like a '90s hotel room and more <laughs> like more like a tiny house. You've been in it. You saw it. And right? oh, it's great. I mean, you got that whole room. I mean, like a mini living room in the back. I mean, it's not a big RV, but. Um, yeah. It was very nice. I liked it. Yeah. Very homey. Yeah. So we have been living and traveling in that full time now for about a year and a half. Uh-huh. And um, 
300 square feet will <laughs> squeeze out of you what is already there, <laughs> which is not always pleasant. Yeah. As my wife likes to say and has discovered in this trip that God gives you dreams like this to shape your character and to work mm. things out of you and, mm-hmm. and to, to grow you. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's dreamed about having a baby will understand that. Sure. You, you dream about what that's going to be like, and, and it's incredibly hard and incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and this trip has, has been that. Yeah. And were you guys still, still, still live in the motorhome? We will for the next year or so. So they have these little RV communities in Florida. This one used to be a little retirement community, and now it's they opened it up for families, and and so we're we're going to be there probably for a year or so, and then eventually get a home without wheels. Yeah, yeah, very good. And I'm curious to hear. I've I've heard some of this before, but I think it might be helpful for people to hear your kind of Renovari story. Um, what does that journey look like for you? So, like I said, I grew up in this Baptist church, which I'm really thankful for my upbringing. And we went to this very conservative Bible school. And I'm most thankful at that school, one, that we went through, I think we read through the entire Bible multiple times while we were there. It was pretty intensive. So I was glad for this, the, the Bible knowledge I was glad to meet my wife, and I was glad for the sense of there's got to be more to life with God than what I'm experiencing. It was a little legalistic and not always life-giving, at least in the way I caught it. I think I heard Juanita Rasmus <laughs> say, this is, what I, this is what I caught. It may not have been what was taught, but it's what I caught. True. So, But I remember reading on my own a ragamuffin gospel by... Brennan Manning, mm-hmm. and that igniting something in my heart of just like, this is what I'm looking for. This is the authenticity that I'm looking for. And so when we got married super young, uh, I was all of 19, barely 19, <laughs> and Joy was 21. And so we knew that we needed to go to a new a new church, just a fresh start in Lynchburg. Went to this church called Grace Evangelical Free, and Mark Fesmar, the pastor, had just finished reading Divine Conspiracy, and he was preaching about the kingdom of God like it was available now, like it was here and now, whereas the way I had understood the kingdom of God up to that point was it was heaven, Mm -hmm. or it was only heaven, only in the... After millennium or whatever. And uh, and lit- literally for like three months, we didn't even have the ears to hear what he was talking about. It was like foreign language, <laughs> but we stayed for the music. The music was really good. <laughs> and uh, But after a few months, it just clicked and I read uh, Divine Conspiracy, read Celebration of Discipline, and that just set us on a new new path, both Joy and I. And we ended up attending a writ of art conference in 2002 in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Your dad and Dallas were both at that one. I remember two things from that conference. One is the way that all of these people from all different denominations were worshiping together. And I had mm-hmm. never seen that before in, in one place, such a diverse group just really going for it in worship. 
And and the other thing I remember is the way that your dad and Dallas were with each other. They mm. were so kind and at ease and just full of joy and gentleness. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember a thing they said at that, that particular <laughs> conference. You know, their books have impacted me tremendously, but I don't remember what they said there. But I remember how they were, mm-hmm. and I knew I wanted that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I even had a thought, man, it'd be cool to play music at one of these someday. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a prayer, or and it was just a thought. So it was so neat, 10 years later, whatever, when you reached out to me to do some music, the Lord answers those little, even those little thoughts that, that we have. That's just one of the ways I think He likes to delight mm-hmm. to give us what's in our heart. Yeah, yeah. And and I think if I'm remembering correctly, your encounter with the six streams, there was one in particular that you felt you knew nothing about. Is, am I getting this correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and at, at that conference, it was particularly scary. And this is, I'll get to what you're asking about in just a sec, but I remember looking at that brochure and there was a Catholic on the speaker list or on the ministry team. It was probably Emily, uh-huh. you know, and this feeling like, is this okay? Is this all right? You know, <laughs> it, that was a, that was kind of a, a, a new, a new world for me. But yeah, the stream that particularly I shied away from was the charismatic stream um, because I, I wrote it off as uh, emotionalism or not well thought through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know now things are scary when you don't feel like you can control them. <laughs> you can't control the spirit. Yeah. But did, if, if am I remembering correctly that that lack of is what kind of pushed you to begin attending a charismatic church? Yeah. So years later, I mean, we went through, there's a lot of life stuff that, that happened in in there, and I wish my wife was here to tell her story and her testimony about the sickness that she went through and how the Lord healed her through through the help of a friend and taking her to some more charismatic churches. I'm condensing this a lot, but it's uh, through the course of a lot of different things, the Lord began inviting us and me especially to take a swim in the charismatic stream, I like to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when we moved from Lynchburg down to the Charlotte area, we started going to a charismatic church and to some conferences that, that leaned in that direction. Mm-hmm. And it was, well, the Lord was really gracious to ease me in. Actually, the first church we went to is called Renovatus. Hmm. Okay. It was a, a Church of God or Assemblies of God church, but had a lot more liturgical elements and things like that that might not be typically present. And in fact, the very first sermon was called The Liturgy and the Shout. Mm. And then later we would go to what was kind of in my mind as a charismatic church of you know, flag-waving, shofar-blowing, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. And I could only stand in the back and just sort of judge. Mm. And I got I got there because my wife started going to a Friday night service that she was really finding a lot a lot of life at, and I started coming with her and just judging, <laughs> quietly judging in the back while everybody's else is dancing and singing. And then 
I sense the Lord saying, why don't you come in a little closer? And uh-huh. if you want to get rid of that judgment, why don't you come and be a part? Um, these people, I'll show you their heart. Mm-hmm. I'll show you my heart. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I remember that first Sunday morning going to this new church that was just way out of my comfort zone. And I could feel the physical fight and resistance in me. Mm. And I've learned to discern, you know, sometimes the Lord's trying to tell you something like, this isn't a good idea. This is not, (laughs) this is not, it's not a healthy place. It's not a good, there's not good stuff going on. I've learned to discern that sense from the, from the resistance, um, whether it's just spiritual or habit or things in me that are fighting change that where it's this almost sick feeling of, no, don't do this, but it's really, I need to press through. <laughs> and this was one of those moments where it was one of those feelings that I need to push past this fear and um, whatever's going on here. And, <laughs> um, and I'm so glad I did. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad I did. And moved from silently judging at the back to going up for prayer to mm-hmm. eventually playing on the worship team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could tell us a story. I mean, you've professionally been a web designer and done lots of tech stuff, but then also as a musician and uh, done two albums. Could you tell people a little bit about your experience of doing the worship? The I guess it was like two-hour sets once a month. All right. Getting this right? Yeah, yeah. When we first got to Charlotte, we started going to this place called the 24-7 Prayer Room. The 24-7 Prayer Movement started by a guy named Pete Gregg in London, and he just had this vision to open a, a prayer room uh, in kind of an industrial space and just a place to come and for people to come and pray and be with the Lord. And so there's one of these in Charlotte, and it's kind of like you can imagine a cross between a a really cool coffee shop and a monastery or something. I don't know. It's just <laughs> an really interesting, basically taking an industrial warehouse space and then carving out some spaces within it that look like living rooms and then little five-by-five five booths that have curtains on them that are like different stations for, here's one for confession that has a bunch of like sticky notes that you can just write your sin and mm-hmm. just stick it up there. And here's one for Thanksgiving and... And so this space just became such a transformative place for us to go in there week after week and just be alone mm. with the Lord. Really, it's a space that's set up for solitude, mm-hmm. to be with the Lord, but it's kind of like guided solitude without anybody being there having to guide you. The space itself mm-hmm. guides you into being with the Lord. A guy saw me there one week, found out that I played music, and he said, do you want to come do some worship here? And so I had led worship at my church in Lynchburg, and you know I knew how to do that and pick a few songs and go through them. And he said, okay, great. It's two hours. <laughs> that is a lot of four-minute songs. And I said, okay. So I got all my, my binder of... 30 songs together, and I, I bring it in, and nobody's there except for this guy. And he's playing his guitar and finishing up his little time. 
And he looks at me as if to say, it's over to you now. And <laughs> I ask him, where's everybody at? And he's like, it's for the Lord, man. <laughs> and so I sat down and started playing through my binder. Did he leave? Did he stay? Binder. I think he might have stayed for a few minutes and then yeah. left. So I would learn later, there's another prayer house movement, uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. You know, they've been doing these like 24-7 sets of worship for like 20 years now. Yeah. And this was that style where it's just it's just for the Lord and just to, to kind of keep the flame burning through mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. worship. And so, I, yeah, I think he stayed for a few minutes and then he headed on out. And... I kept doing that week after week for several months. And with, as each week went on, I got a little more comfortable extending the songs and spontaneously singing a, a song as it, as it came up. And, and that's not to say it was all ecstatic, totally connected worship. It's two hours. You, know, you get a little mm -hmm. bored. <laughs> you get tired but that changed me in a way that nothing else ever had in terms of worship and it i really moved from it being a logistical affair mm -hmm. of getting all my songs together and making sure the song choice is right and making sure people can sing along and the musicians are doing okay and all that stuff it's all valid but worship leading when i did it in my 20s because it was pure logistics, it had become mm -hmm. exhausting. And mm -hmm. I just totally burned out on it. And I thought that leading worship and worshiping were two different things. Mm. And yeah. they're not. And it turns out that when your worship leader isn't worshiping and he's just doing logistics, mm -hmm. it's a total disservice to the Lord and to the congregation. Mm. Because the worship leader's job is to worship by example and invite by example. Hmm. Now, there's, there are important rules to follow, so to speak, that make it so that it's not just a personal worship time and you're singing your own thing and nobody else is, is there with you. But the, the most important thing for a person leading worship is to, is to be worshiping. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and I learned that at that little prayer room in this <laughs> two-hour sets. Playing by yourself. <laughs> Playing for the Lord. I like it. I like it. And that's one thing you, you, you taught me is when you're, when you're doing worship, point's not about what you're playing. It's about where your heart's at with it. Yeah. And, and then the rest flows out of that. It's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One of the one of the other things you've taught me, Brian, it, it was uh, it was after some. This was probably would have been five years ago. After some event, I'd been speaking. We were at the airport, and I was I, I just kind of bombed it. I gave kind of a it was one of the, just a bad talk, or at least I didn't feel good <laughs> about it. So I was kind of how'd that go, you know? And and you very. Very quietly. I mean, I don't. I don't think you ever told me it was good or bad. You just said, "I I usually don't remember what I hear, 
but I remember how I felt. Or I remember the spirit at which it was. And, and, and then you said, I, I had a good spirit in, in, in giving it. But that was so helpful to me because, it, it, at least for me, I mean, I take notes when I hear talks and, you know, go through all that. But I seldom remember what I heard. But I do remember the spirit in which it was given. I remember how I felt. I remember, you know, the thoughts that were emerged from that. Um, and that was so helpful to me. It, it, is there anything else you might say on that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that goes back to how I came into Renovare at that first conference. I mean, you know those talks were good with mm-hmm. your dad in Dallas. If I heard them recorded now, I would love them. But I can't remember a thing. I, <laughs> nothing. I guess not, you know... I doubt that if I heard that, even that it would like spark, like, oh yeah, that's the talk. You yep, you t- yep. you play it for me, and it would be like a totally new thing. Yep. And but I remember, I remember their smiles. I remember the the way that they uh, laughed together and uh, yielded to each other. Mm-hmm. It's it's fixed in my mind. Yeah. Brian, that, it has helped me so much as someone who does speaking and teaching and such, is that, I mean, what you, the words you say, important, do your homework, you know, put together good talk and such. But, but in the end, go be with people. And it, something about that totally frees me to just um, be present to others, because you can get information. I mean, we can... That's it. That's it. Yeah. And these events, it's almost like... You've got to have this little talk or something so that we'll get together and, and do it, you know? But it's that's really not the important thing. And you talk to anybody, I don't care if it's a tech event or anything else, they'll tell you, oh, the really valuable stuff is what happens in between the sessions. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the sessions are just like an excuse to get together. There's good stuff in there, I, especially to me in an age when, information. I mean, we could even talk about in worship. You can find, you know, worship music and you can find good talks and lectures and such. But to be there, to be together, to um, catch the nonverbals, the notes between the notes, the way people are, that's special. That's right. Very, very helpful in our own formation. Yeah. Uh, That's good. Okay. Well, tell us about your um, job, your position. What am I doing? Um, (laughs) (laughs) You have a title. You have a very good title. Yeah, it's Director of Communications and Special Projects. So for the last, what, three or four years now, I've been doing stuff with Renovare. And and I actually, I love that you met me through that song that I had wrote. Somebody had given me your book, Wisdom Chasers, and I read the book and it gave me what I needed to write that song. And then friend of a friend passed it along to you, and then you reached out to me. So that was our connecting point was on this song. And that's always been a really special thing to me because I wasn't sought out for my technical skills or marketing or any that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. It was a much yeah. more personal Mm-hmm. Uh, connection and with the music and with having read your book and everything. So we couldn't have planned that. Couldn't have set that up. No, it was so great when I, I mean, I got that, when I heard that song, I mean, I've told you this, but it just tore me apart. I mean, in a good way. Um, I mean, I've had a lot of tears on that song mm-hmm. and I just, 
it's one of my favorite songs ever. And um, so yeah, after hearing it, I thought, I have to meet this guy. And then we connected, and then you start doing contract work, Renovari. Yeah. And then yep. the ministry team, you're brought on the ministry team. And, and here you yeah. are now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so the contract work I was doing was editing this podcast for one thing, which I'll have to edit this very <laughs> podcast. Which will be painful. We were discussing earlier how next to my wife, probably no one's had to work with my voice. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know your mannerisms. Yeah. And so uh, this podcast and our, our website uh, and then anything that is digital or print. So with the Institute, they have an online portion to that that I help book club the book the you book said. club, and right now I'm really excited because I just got uh, to be part of this project where I'm I'm helping to compile a devotional from the spiritual spiritual, what, spiritual formation, formation workbook. workbook yeah, and this is one of the few times in my life where I've been working but not sitting in front of a screen. And was able to print <laughs> off the stuff I needed and get my pen and journal. And my wife was kidding with me out the door this morning. She's like, oh, you're just writing a devotional today. And it's, what a hard life. Um, and it is really, it's pretty remarkable. And I'm so thankful to have some work where I'm not in front of a screen. Yeah, you're not just a tech guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you bring an incredible proficiency in terms of tech and web work. Um, I mean, in my mind, you're one of the top people uh, for that. But you're so much more than that. Um, and you're just so thoughtful and a good writer. And so you just bring a tremendous amount to our team. Uh, and that's not even touching the music and worship. So I think we are all just so thrilled that this has been able to work out. Thanks, Nate. You can be be with us full time. Me too. Me too. It's kind of a dream job, and um, I'm just thankful. Uh, me too. Me too. Hey, I have a thought. As we finish this out, would you have a song you could stick on the end of this podcast? Yeah, for sure. So for a while, on the intro and outro of the podcast, we've been using a song I wrote called Be Kind and recorded several yeah. years ago. And recently I recorded a new version of that. And so we'll play that. We'll put that on. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking time to do this and for the hours you'll spend editing your own voice. Huh? <laughs> of course. All right. Be kind to one another. Jesus will show you how. Those words of life in your heart Till they spill right out of your mouth Be gentle with your brother Jesus will show you how Choose to bless your enemies Even those that live in you are the only one who has loved with a perfect love the same spirit that filled your words and deeds has come to live in me 
Jesus will show you how. Let forgiveness be shown where it's never been known, where no light has been until now. Jesus, you are the only one who has loved with a perfect love. The same Spirit that filled your words and deeds has come to Just 